Remain standing just for a moment. I spoke to a man yesterday. I called him up to do some business with him and ask him a few questions. And he began to tell me, he said, my wife died in January. He said, because of the coronavirus things, I can't get all of the parts and the stock that I need. And I've got work stacked up and I don't know what to do and I don't have any money. He said, and then the person that owns the building that my shop is in, they're about to go under because of all of this. And if they go under, I don't have any place to work. And he just went on and on. Man, it broke my heart. Doesn't it yours to think about people like that? And I said, uh, hey, do you have just 30 seconds and let me pray with you? And you know what he said to me? Oh, I've had plenty of people praying for me and it doesn't do any good. No, thank you. Can we stop and pray for people who are like that? Because it might be you. And maybe you don't express it like he did, it does, but you feel it. And I just feel like we ought to stop and just pray. Okay? The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And there are a lot of people with sick hearts, right? But the fulfillment is a tree of life. Let's pray. Father, our hearts go out to people today who are hurting, people who are discouraged, people who, when they think about getting back to normal, they don't know what that is or what that looks like or what that means. They don't know how life is going to look in the next week or the next month, much less the next year. People are grieving. People are sick. People are unemployed. People are concerned about their businesses. People are in financial trouble. And some people, Lord, when they look really deep down into their soul, they just don't see any reason for any hope. Oh, Father, maybe you've orchestrated all of this for us to be able to share the message of hope. And they may not receive it, but they need to hear it. And we're asking, Lord, for people like this man that I spoke to yesterday, maybe you'll give me an open door later on. Maybe the timing is not right right now, but you'll open the door later on. Maybe you'll send somebody else to him. And Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would work in his life. But not just his. There may be somebody here this morning in this auditorium who feels the same way, but they would never express it like that. There may be some people watching this by live stream, and their life is crumbling in front of them for a lot of reasons that maybe have nothing to do with a coronavirus, maybe a divorce, it may be alcoholism, it may be drug abuse, it may be a rebellious child, it may be a divorce that they're going through. I don't know, Lord, but I know that you do. And we're praying today that you would give us the message of hope, which is the message of Jesus. And we pray, Father, that you would so work in our lives and so work in their lives that glory is brought to your holy name and hope is given to people and we thank you that our hope is not only in Jesus but our hope is the Lord Jesus Christ and we pray for people now our own church family our own families as well as our friends and our neighbors and strangers please bless with the message of hope in Jesus name we pray and all God's people said you may be seated now and turn with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 6. And Moses has gone with Aaron before Pharaoh. 
And uh, apparently, when you read the last part of chapter 5, Moses went into that with a lot of high hopes and high expectations. Now, what was Pharaoh's response? Get out of here. Get back to work. Oh, and by the way, if you've got enough time to talk about going out into the wilderness and worshiping God, then you've got time to gather your own straw for your own bricks. And as you do that, the quota is not going to go down. In fact, life got worse for the slaves instead of better because of Moses. And you remember that the people came by and said to him, you know, thanks for nothing, Moses. Now we're an abomination or we're abhorrent, I think it says, to Pharaoh and you have actually made our lives worse instead of better. Have you ever obeyed God and you expected great blessing and life got worse? I remember when Sammy and I were getting ready to move to Dallas. I was going to go to school and through no fault of our own, uh, we ended up without insurance and Sammy was pregnant with Taylor. I had a motorcycle at that time, and I decided I was going to sell it. And so I sold it to a fireman over here on 89th Street. And uh, he turned out to be a Christian, and he gave me full price for the motorcycle. And I thought, well, that'll be good. We'll have a little bit in the bank. And uh, you know what the Spirit of God impressed me to do? To give that money to the church, the church that we were leaving and so I did, and I thought, oh, I've heard all these stories from all these people. They wrote out a check for 1000 They found a check for 10000 in the mailbox. Man, this is going to be great. But you know what happened? We got down there to Dallas. Sammy started having complications with Taylor's pregnancy. We had to go on a medicine uh, for, uh, for her that cost us about $300 a month in addition to our other expenses. And then when uh, Taylor was born, he had something wrong with his heart. They had to do CPR on him in the uh, nursery of the hospital. They said that they think they may have caught a SIDS uh, situation in the middle of it. If we'd taken him home, we probably wouldn't have him now. And so because of that, instead of having the hospital bill paid off, I, w I walked out of there owing about $8,000. And I can remember thinking during that time, now how does this work when I obeyed God and what happens? I'm in debt more than I ever intended to be. Sometimes it doesn't go according to our expectations and our timetable. Now, let me tell you from personal experience, not just then, but throughout life, and you've experienced this as well, it's when expectations are not met that you lose your hope. And that's where Moses was. And you remember Moses at the end of chapter 5 goes to God and he says, I did what I was supposed to do and I showed up, but you apparently didn't. I did what I was supposed to do, but you didn't do what you promised. The people are not delivered. And so we get into um, Exodus chapter 6, and there Moses is at a low point in his life. I did what God said, and look what I got for it, and my own people are turning against me. I mean, this isn't the way it's supposed to go, and this isn't fun. And Moses is expressing in the last part of chapter 5 that hope that is deferred that is making his heart sick. His heart is sick. It's broken. Hope is gone out of his life. You ever been there? Well, when we read in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let them go 
this is strange. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of the land. In other words, he's not just going to say you're free. He's going to say, get out of here. Go. That's going to take the work of God, isn't it? Verse 2. Then God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, or Yahweh, I was not known to them. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Verse 4. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel from the, uh, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Verse 7, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Verse 9. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel. Now, this is going to go great, isn't it? Now Moses has a fresh word. Ah, But they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and a cruel bondage. Well, this just didn't go in the way Moses had it figured out at all, is it? And about the time he gets a new fresh word, he gets trampled on and his heart gets broken again. Oh, I remember I was at a church where nothing, 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 nothing would happen. And nothing had happened there in uh, 30-some years. And I remember just being discouraged. In fact... I had a letter of resignation written out, and it was in my drawer, the big wide drawer on the desk. It was in there. And it was just about every Monday morning that I pulled that out, and I said, I am done. I am done. And I was preaching through a book of the Bible, and I looked at the passage I'd be preaching the next Sunday, and I don't know how many times I did this, but it was more than once. I would read what I was going to preach. A fresh word would come to my heart. And I would put the letter back in, in the drawer and say, I've got to preach at least one more time. I've got a new word. This is the one that's going to do it. And you know what would happen? I would get through and I would go back on Monday, pull the letter out and say, and then I would look and go, nope, not this week. And I would go on and on and on until God finally broke through in that place. I understand, and you probably understand a little bit of what Moses is going through. I'm obedient. I'm going and stepping out on faith. I'm doing more than I ever thought I would do. Where's God and where's the blessing? And finally, when he does get a fresh word from God, what happens when he tells it to the people? They wouldn't heed him. They were under too much anguish and too much grief and too much burden coming from Pharaoh to really be able to hear 
And so all of them are kind of having a crisis of faith, Moses and also the people. So what is going to happen? Well, the thing that I noticed here is that the Lord himself ministers to Moses in the midst of his discouragement. What Moses probably was feeling was probably not a whole lot different than some things you felt, some things I felt, or even that man that I spoke to you about that I talked to yesterday. What good does it do to pray? What good does it do to obey? What good does it do to try to step out in faith when you just seem to get punched in the face? Well, notice something that the Lord did here. Number one, discouraged people need reassurance. The Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. I mean, this is God just telling Moses, just in case you've forgotten, this is not about your leadership. This is not about your talent. This is not about your ability to be persuasive. This is not about your ability to win people over to the cause. This is about me. I'm the one who set this up. I'm the one who is showing up here. I'm the one with the plan. I'm the one with the timetable. You've got to trust me. And Moses needed that reassurance. And maybe today you're facing something to where you've tried everything you know to do. You've even done some things that some preacher on TV told you. You've even read a book and you hadn't read a book in a long time, but you were so desperate. You found a book and you read it and you thought, I finally got the key and I finally got the answer only to be knocked down again. You need to hear in your spirit this morning what Moses heard when it said, now, now you will see what I will do. And maybe you've done everything that you can do and everything that you know to do. And the Lord is now speaking to your heart and saying, why don't you just trust me and see what I can do? Because everybody needs reassurance. And that's what God was giving Moses here. Even that great man of God, that great leader, found himself in the same place that you and I do. Secondly, notice that discouraged people need to get reacquainted with God. You know, there are a lot of times we talk to people, we counsel with people, or we just kind of share a word with someone, and their first thing is, yeah, I know all that. I went to Sunday school. I went to Awana. I used to go to vacation Bible school. I've been to camps like Falls Creek and others. I, I know all of that, and it's not really doing me any good. In fact, I've got a suspicion... That if that man yesterday had opened up, he probably would have said, I've been to church. I've been to camps. I prayed that little prayer that they told me to pray. But it's probably been years since he's had any type of relationship with God. You see, it's one thing to know about God. And it's another thing to actually know God. Isn't that right? And we think about Moses here as the Lord begins to reveal himself. Look, look down at verse 2. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. You think Moses didn't know that? I mean, what, what's, what's that all about? There's a certain point to where we know God in our intellect. And we know God in a theological sense. But God is always bringing us to a place to where we know him in a personal, relational, experiential sense. There are tons of people all over this state and all over this land that if you ask them, who is God? They would say, there's one true and living God, and he is the creator of all, and he rules over the universe. And they intellectually have it right. 
They might even tell you that he exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They might be Trinitarians, and they would be right about that. They would tell you about the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. But do they really know him, and do they have any faith in him? And there are so many people that, that as far as it goes, it's what they learned in Sunday school, what they learned in a catechism, what they learned in a confirmation class, but they don't really know him. I was that person. I was that person. When I was four years old, my dad said I knew more of the gospel than he did when he was 21. I was that person. I could recite the books of the Bible before I, could, uh, before I was in kindergarten. I knew Bible stories. I knew all of that. And that went all the way up until I was 22 years old. I could answer the questions. But I didn't know the Lord. I had never repented of my sins. And I'd never put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, I, I knew about him, but I didn't know him. And that's what God is talking about here when he said that I am the Lord. And I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, I was not known to them. Now, it's interesting. You go back and do some research in the Hebrew and you'll find out that there was over 10 times when God's name was called by the same thing it is here. In the Hebrew, it would be Yahweh. Well, what does it mean then? Is God misleading us or telling us something, that, you know, uh, telling Moses something that wasn't actually true? Well, of course not. You see, what he was saying there is Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they knew my name and they knew who I was. But Moses, you're going to experience. You remember in the book of Hebrews, it talks about people of faith who died without receiving the promise. That was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Your descendants are going to be in this land. I'm going to give it to you. But Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were just sojourners in the land. And then Jacob takes them all over to where? To Egypt. That's why they're enslaved. You can read that in the book of Genesis. But now... Now God is going to reveal himself using the same name that he did before. But now it's not going to be intellectual. Now it's going to be experiential. Moses, you're going to know the name and the power and the person of God in a way that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob never quite experienced. Now Moses had heard all of this kind of stuff and he had heard God say some of these things before. But God said, now you are on the verge of not just knowing it, you're on the verge of experiencing it in a way that even Abraham never got to experience. I'm glad that God is a God who takes what he has promised and what he has revealed in his word and then he takes it and applies it to each generation. He applies it to each of us. It's a personal thing as we come to know the Lord. And some of you need to get reacquainted with the God of your childhood. Some of you need to get reacquainted with the God that's been just a character in a story. And now he wants to reveal himself in you and through you to do greater things than you could even imagine. That's why Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundant beyond all that you ask or think to him be glory in the church 
throughout all the ages to come, world without end. We need to know that God, to know the God who changes lives, to know the God who defeats the devil, to know the God who gives eternal life, to know the God who provides for our needs according to his riches and glory, to know this God who will fulfill his promises. You need a renewal to get reacquainted with the God that you say that you know. Thirdly, discouraged people need to have the message repeated. You get on down to verse 5, and I've also heard the groaning of the children of Israel. And you know what my first thought when I read that was, I've heard that before, heard that before, and so has Moses heard that before. Sure doesn't seem like God's doing anything about it. He just talks, but so far, nothing really has happened. You ever felt like that? prayed about this before, claimed the promises of God before, stood in faith on those things, and what happens? I get the same message over and over and over. You know why? Because I need the same message over and over and over. I'm not a once and done person, and neither are you. There are so many things that we can sing about, and we can raise our hands, and we can even clap when we get through. Oh, that was so beautiful, that was so wonderful, and it's like we forget about it the moment we walk out the door. There are so many times when you can be in your quiet time in the morning and you can be reading the Word of God and say, oh, that's what I'm going to stand on. And then you stumble over it even before you get to work. And what needs to happen? We've got to hear it again. And we've got to hear it again. And we've got to hear it again. You see, the disciples in the Gospels, Jesus told them how many times I must go to Jerusalem and I must be arrested and suffer at the hands of the leaders there and I will be crucified and I will be raised from the dead. And you know what? You get the impression they're going, yeah, 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 yeah. We got all of that. But what about this? They had more important things to talk about, more important things to do. And then when the crucifixion actually happened, they scatter. They are scared to death. And then when the resurrection takes place, they're not quite sure that they can believe anything like that. Why? Because sometimes you can hear a message and you can hear a truth and you can hear it repeatedly. But there comes a point to where you've got to experience that. And so what happens here is God is reiterating. You remember what I told you before? You've heard the expression, never doubt in the darkness what God told you in the light. And that's what God is really saying to Moses here. Nothing's changed. The agenda has not changed. Nothing is off course. I am the Lord your God. I've heard the groaning of the people of Israel in Egypt. And I am going to redeem them. The message has not changed. The plan has not changed. Stay the course, Moses. We're right where we need to be. I'm going to bring you out of this. And number four, discourage people need reconfirmation you would think this would be enough but it's not because your emotions sometimes will say yeah but and we think about people who have made fools out of themselves standing on what they said was the word of God we think about times in our life where God just didn't seem to come through God I sold my motorcycle and I gave that money to your work in the church when I could have used it you promised to restore 30, 60, or 100 fold, I sure could use $100,000 right now, couldn't I? And what did I get for it? A sick baby? 
hospital bills that were above, above and beyond my ability to pay at the time? What's going on here? But God does things His way, and He does things in His timing. It was a little bit after Taylor was born. We were at a little church there in Texas. Been there about two months. Nobody really knew us. And it was Christmas time, and they started giving out Christmas bonuses. And there were several other part-time people that were students like we were. They were at their table, and they would open up their little Christmas card, and there'd be a check for $75 from the church. And so I thought, well, I know what this is going to be. You know, wonder what my... It's kind of like, you know, when you pass around gift cards or something at Christmas and you got your envelope and somebody opens theirs and you go, I wonder what mine's going to be. And you already sort of know. Well, I already sort of knew. You know, Sammy and I were going to get a $75 check, which was fine with me. That would buy groceries. Opened up the thing and there was a $2,800 check because they had taken up a secret love offering for us. It was after that that things began to happen. And by the time we left Texas to move to Georgia, uh, we were entirely debt-free. Had that happen, the blessing of God. You know what I go back to? Obedience and giving that money from the motorcycle to the church. It didn't come in a lump sum like I thought it would. But it came in several ways. The bills were paid. Sammy was able to go back to work. Taylor got off of his heart monitor after six months. And when I look back on it today, and I see that my son is ordained to the ministry and serving the Lord, and that he is proclaiming the gospel and ministering to people, I want to tell you today that $1,000 for that motorcycle has come back a hundredfold for this preacher. You understand what I'm saying? And sometimes it doesn't always come in a check with zeros after it. Sometimes it comes in a survival of a baby. Sometimes it comes through that baby growing up and going through the teenage years. Sometimes it comes with them getting a diploma. Sometimes it comes with them getting into a church. Sometimes it comes with watching them when they've been fired from their church to not abandon God but to stay by the things that they've been taught and then be hired by another church to do things greater than they've ever done before. You think Sammy and I aren't proud of him? And you think that God has not blessed us in so many ways? And then you compound that on to our daughters and the men that they've married and the ministries that they've had. And could I ever look back and say God didn't fulfill his word? Sometimes the blessings come in different forms than your investment. My investment was a check. But what I got back was so much more than a check. But it didn't come quite the way I thought it was going to. And it didn't come in the timing that I thought it was going to come. But I'm here to testify God kept His word to us. Hang in there, discouraged believer. Because you need a reconfirmation of everything that you believed. God takes you through some things to say, this is what you said. Because when I gave that money to the church, I was saying, God, I believe you're going to take care of us. I believe you will help us through all of this. And he did everything, everything he promised to do. But you know what? Every once in a while, I need to have that confirmed again. I need to have a reconfirmation who God is, what he has said, what his word said, what his promises 
are. Because God says here, I will make you as my people and I will be your God. That really ought to be enough. That should have been enough for Moses. That should have been enough for the slaves in Egypt. And that should be enough for us today. We search around and we say, what do I do with this? How do I handle this? How do I overcome this? And we look around and sometimes we say, well, I know what God says in the Bible, but I need another book. I need another sermon. I need a seminar. I need something else. What a slap in the face toward God sometimes. All we need to know is that He is our God. Do you know that this morning? Do you know that the Lord is your shepherd? Do you know that the Lord is the one who has ordered your steps? Do you know that God is the one who has promised to meet all of your needs according to His riches and glory? Do you know that He is the one that has promised you heaven and eternity? Do you know that He is the one who has sustained you and brought you safe thus far? And this same God that has brought you to this point will not leave you and He will not abandon you. Boy, every once in a while I need to know that again I need to be reminded of what I already know I need to have it reconfirmed in my life that I belong to him and that he is my God I need to know that all of my needs are going to be met I need to know that he is going to take care of me and take care of us no matter what direction the road of life may take us God is already there and God has already seen to the need before I ever even know I have known that I have a need. Remember, he knows what you ask even before you pray it. He knows your need. And so all of that is reconfirmed. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give you as a heritage, uh, I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Enough said. Enough said. That should settle it. But God knows it doesn't always do that. And he also knows there's something else that has to happen. Because the Bible says that Moses went and he told the people of Israel, the children of Israel. And then it says, but they did not heed Moses. Boy, that's another kick in the gut, isn't it? Another reason to be discouraged. But then he adds something in here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, they didn't hear him because of anguish of spirit and the cruelty of the Egyptians. You know, sometimes, folks, when you get discouraged because other people aren't hearing you, maybe you need to look at where they are. The people of Israel weren't just saying, we don't believe you. The people of Israel were under cruelty. They were under bondage. And at that particular point, they just couldn't get it and they couldn't understand it. And you know, that guy that I talked to yesterday... I guess I could have hung up the phone and said, man, what a jerk. He won't even take 30 seconds to let me pray for him. He practically spit in my face and in everything that I believe. Well, enough for him until I stopped to think, maybe the reason he doesn't believe in prayer is because he's still grieving over the death of his wife. Still trying to take care of two children. Doesn't know how he's going to do it. He's facing the prospect of business failure. He's facing the prospect of being unemployed. And people have said they're praying for him. And in his words, it doesn't do any good. Hey, folks, maybe that's the best he can do right now. Right? 
Maybe that person that was rude to you. Maybe that person that rejected you. Maybe that person that doesn't want anything to do with you or your God or anything else. Maybe you need to walk a few miles in their shoes. Maybe you need to understand where they are. And God seems to be telling us here that this is why they didn't do it, which is the last point. Discouraged people, they need to refocus. You see, if all it said was, but they did not heed Moses, you might as well pack up and head back to Midian. But when there's a reason that people don't hear, maybe Moses needs to quit thinking about the fact that they've rejected him and pray about the cause for that rejection, what they're going through. Quit being focused upon self and be focused upon other people. Is there a word in that for any of us? Well, there certainly is. Because when we think about all of this and the focus that we have and how they treated us and what is going on with us and how we're better than this and they never should have done that to us, I'm telling you, sometimes you need to look back and you need to look at them and you need to find out the reason that they did it. And by the way, reasons are not excuses. They're still accountable to God. But God seems to be telling us here that even though the people had no excuse for not listening to Moses, they did have reasons. And those reasons can be prayed for. Those reasons can be ministered to. And maybe that would open up a whole door of sharing Jesus with people if we would just take the time to understand where they are and what they are going through. Because, folks, I want you to understand that, that God deals with real problems that come from a sick heart. He's that kind of a God. He understands. And God not only gives hope, but as we said earlier, He is our hope. And He understands why you're struggling to live in hope. And God wants you to, uh, he wants to use you to be a hope giver to other people. He wants to use you to reassure others. He wants to use you to reacquaint and reconnect them with the God of their childhood. He wants to use you to repeat the message of hope, being like an echo chamber over and over and over it comes out of our mouths. We never get up, give up on that. And he wants to use you to reconfirm the truth of who God is. And he also wants us to refocus our lives so that we can help others refocus their lives. And as we do that, we get our eyes on other people and we're actually able, instead of being frustrated with them and condemning them and pulling away from them and all of that, to actually get involved in their lives, to maybe minister to the reason that they don't listen and give them a reason to listen to you. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 5, Let your light so shine before men so that others will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. May God grant us to not only have our discouragement ministered to, but be a minister to the discouragement in other people's lives and to share with them the good news of Christ that they, like you, if you will turn from trusting in yourself and repent of your sins and believe, trust, cling to, rely on the gospel that God in human flesh, Jesus Christ, died on the cross as the God-man to pay for your sins in full 
And now he has been raised from the dead and he sits at the right hand of God the Father in victory and in power and in great authority. And if you will bow before him as Lord, he's promised that he will give you his life, eternal life. And he will come to live in you. And you will find that your hope is an everlasting hope because it is a living hope in a living, everlasting Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you've trusted Him, and I pray that you have. I pray that those of you who are watching by live stream, I pray that you know Him and that you will pray to Him and receive Him as Savior and Lord. And may the Lord bless you to be a minister of hope in a world that is so dark and discouraged. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray today for people to be saved. We pray for people to receive the message from God like Moses did. It's always too soon to quit. May we press on. And may you do whatever is necessary in our lives to fill us with hope and to let us share that hope with other people. We don't know your timetable and we don't know how you're going to do everything. We just know that you are going to do it. And our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Jesus is Lord. We affirm that and we stand in it now. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And may the Lord bless you and thank you so much for joining us today.